Good morning, everyone. Believe it or not, that was actually the short form of the gospel. I just can't, actually wasn't. We never, everybody always asks me, do you want the short form or the long form? And I just look and I'm like, really? Like, do you even have to ask? And they're like, long form it is. Uh, today we have, after our homily today, we're going to have our, what's called the first scrutiny. And it's, it's a big moment of our elect, those who are going to become Catholic, being formally recognized by the church. And my dear elect, the gospel readings that we have now during Lent, the church chooses specifically for you. So we're in year A right now, which is Matthew's cycle. Usually we read always from Matthew's gospel in the year we're in. But the church wants to find readings that cut right to the heart of what it means to be a Christian. And so today's gospel reading is from John chapter 4. And we wouldn't normally have that, but we're getting so close to Holy Week and Easter. And it's a wonderful time for all of us to cut to that center. What does it mean to be a Christian? So I had this thought that when we were doing our, our capital campaign for our building project, I kind of think that we should go back to that company Catholic Match or Catholic like Singles or whatever, and they really should sponsor our church. Um, at my last church, Immaculate Heart of Mary, there's 6,000 families, and I usually had about five or six couples in marriage prep at one time. Here at Lourdes, we have roughly 800 households. I have 30 couples in marriage prep. So we're going to go to Catholic Match. We're going to be like, how would you like to see your, your name? Like, you know, on the inside, like, probably be offensive to some people. Catholic Match at Lourdes. <laughs> you might not think it when you first heard the gospel today, but today's gospel reading, brothers and sisters, is a love story. Very much so. You see, today in the modern world, so many people might think, you know, and all through history, we know where to go when you're looking for a spouse. There's the traditional places. People will go to bars and they'll go to parties and uh, out to clubs. If they're smart, they'll come to Lourdes, right? And we know where to go to look for spouses. Well, they did in the time, in biblical times too, So if you study the Bible, everyone in Scripture knows, and the people of Jesus' time knew, if you're looking for a bride, you go to a well. That's where you go. So in Genesis 24, Abraham is looking for a wife for his son Isaac. And so he sends a servant back to his homeland to find a bride for his son. And the servant prays to God, and he goes back to Abraham's homeland. But he knows right where to go. He doesn't go into the city. He stays outside, and he puts his camel down, and he waits at a well. And there he meets Rebekah, and he knows that this is the woman destined to marry Isaac. And Rebekah becomes Isaac's wife. In Genesis 29, Jacob is searching for a wife. 
And he goes to his uncle's land, Laban's land, and he too knows what to do. He goes to a well. And at the well, he meets Rachel. And Rachel becomes his bride. Even Moses, in Exodus chapter 2, Moses flees from Egypt, and he goes out into the, the, the wilderness, and he defends a group of sisters, and he meets them at a well. And Moses, that's where he finds his bride. And the eldest sister, right, now I know names, like there's, you know how there's trends in names, like when I was like in school, like everyone was named Brittany or Sarah, you know, and then now there's like creative names, and I don't even know what they are now, like Stardust or something. Um, (laughs) But then, but I'm telling you, it's going to come back. Moses' wife's name, hold on to this one, Zipporah. Right? That's coming back, I'm telling you. Wait 10 years, every little girl in your school is going to be Zipporah. Moses meets Zipporah at a well, and she becomes his wife. The ancient Jewish culture knew that that was where you met brides. And today, Jesus sits with a woman at a well. And here's what we're going to get at. I want to give you a line from G.K. Chesterton. And this is, what we're, this is the heart of the matter today. Brothers and sisters, Chesterton has this wonderful line where he says, let your religion be less of a theory and more of a love affair. Let your religion be less of a theory and more of a love affair. That's what the gospel is about. We're going to dive into that. We're going to open that up. But that's the main point today. Our religion, and I tend to fall into the theory piece. If you've been in RCIA, you know this. I'm like, if you add up, you know, Habakkuk and Exodus, and you talk about David, Moses, and then Jesus, prophets, equals Catholicism, right? I'm like, clearly, right? And that is true. It does add up. It does make sense. It is the truth. But our religion is a love affair. It's not just the sum of an equation. So here's how Jesus does this today in our gospel. So the the key to this is understanding the context. Jesus is in Samaria. And this woman becomes a symbol of that people. So in John's gospel, oftentimes real people become symbolic of of a larger group. So in our faith, sometimes the Pope represents all of us. In John's gospel, for instance, John never tells you who he is until the very last verses of the gospel. There's 21 chapters, and all through the gospel, John's there everywhere, but he never tells you who he is. He just calls himself the beloved disciple. And there's a reason for that. He's he's symbolic. He's telling you, if you want to be a beloved disciple, here's what this looks like. So he's a real person, but he also symbolizes something greater than himself. The same is true of this woman. So they're in Samaria. And the woman has had how many husbands? Five husbands. And here's where this comes alive. Brothers and sisters, in 2 Kings 17, and we know this from just the history of Israel and of the, the Holy Land, is that the Samaritans 
had a group of gods they worshipped called the Baals. And guess how many in that group, guess how many Baals there were? There were five. There were five Baals. We're in Samaria, and here's where it really comes alive. The word Baal is a Canaanite word, and it can be translated in two ways. It either means master or husband. Master or husband. That's what Baal means. And this woman has had five Baals. In the book of Hosea in the Old Testament, I know what you're thinking. There's a book of Hosea? Yes, there is. In Hosea chapter 2, God takes that metaphor and he flips it. And what he's saying here is he says, who's the true husband? Is it really these pagan idols or is it me? He says this, he says, in that day, says the Lord, you will call me my husband. No longer will you call me my Baal. For I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth, and they shall be mentioned by name no more. Today's gospel is a love story. It's a, it's a story about Jesus who is searching for a bride. And we know that that bride, of course, brothers and sisters, is the church. Is your religion, is your religion a theory or is it a love affair? What is your life with Jesus about? And Christians, we so oftentimes get this wrong. We get it so backwards. And the, the real key, brothers and sisters, if you lose the sense of the love affair, if you lose the sense that Jesus really loves you, that he is the lover of your soul, of your heart, that he pursues you, Jesus' love for you should make you a little uncomfortable. If you lose that, if you lose that sense of this beautiful, powerful God who is seeking after you, he will look to you like a master. And how many Christians live out their faith that way? The love is gone, and all that remains is a master who I must obey. If you live your faith that way, you'll lose it. It won't last. And it's tragic because you're missing the whole point of faith. All the things that we talk about. Come to RCIA, you'll learn like a thousand things. They're all true, but at the heart is this desperate love affair. We had seminarians here at the last Mass. And uh, they're the first-year seminarians. And I challenged, and we had about, you know, 30 of them sitting here. We've got three. Ask these three after Mass. 
Actually, Deacon Peter's a seminarian too. But I challenged the congregation at the last Mass. I said, you know, ask any one of these men after Mass, why did you become a seminarian? Why are you thinking about priesthood? You know what they're not going to tell you? They're not going to say like, well, you know, I, I read the Bible really carefully and I thought about the way life works and I decided X plus Y minus Z, you know, carry the two equals Catholicism. And I don't want to go to H-E double hockey sticks. That's not what they'll say. They'll say, God captured my heart. Isn't it so true? It's so simple. That's what happened to me. At a certain point when I was in college, I, you know, and it's so simple. I knew up here that God was a person. I knew Jesus was real, but it, for some reason it hadn't sunk down in my heart. At a certain point in college, I realized that Jesus was not just a set of ideas, that he wasn't just something that was true, that the resurrection wasn't just something that happened but that it happened for me. That the man on the cross isn't just there for the church. He is. But he's not just there for the world. He is. But he hangs there for Brian. And my faith went from a set of ideas to a love story. And the Lord took my heart. That is our faith. That's what it's about. Is your religion, is it a theory or is it a love story? Is it a God who left his comfortable home in heaven to come find you? And so many of us say, well, you know, Jesus, I've done so many things, you couldn't really love me like that. The Samaritan woman had five husbands, and she's living in adultery as she speaks to Jesus. And he comes to find her. And when you get that, you realize this isn't a story of a God who says, if you get your act together, then I'll love you. If you clean up your bad habits and you, you get rid of these things, then I'll love you. It's a God who loves us first. I could go on for hours. I probably will. <laughs> You've got nothing better to do. Don't pretend. Bronco season's over. They were terrible. Listen to this. Our second reading today says the same thing. One will hardly ever die for a righteous man. But God shows forth his love for us, and while we were yet Sinners, Christ died for us. That's our faith. If you lose that, if you lose the sense of the romance, if you lose that joy and the sense that God loves you personally, not just people at Lord's, not just the world, but you, if you lose that, you'll go searching for other loves. You go looking for other husbands. Other but alls. If you and I lived our faith like a desperate romance, brothers and sisters, that's when the world becomes Catholic again. You don't have to have the answers to everything. 
Every person we ever meet, you ever think this? It's always weird. I, you ever people watch? I love people watching. And it's really weird when you're staring at someone in a collar. And I always forget that I'm a priest and I have a collar on and they can tell that I'm a priest. And I'll be out like at a coffee shop and I'll look around and I'll people watch. And I always wonder the same thing. I always wonder, I wonder if that person realizes that their whole life, the whole reason they were created was for this desperate romance. Do they know that? When they're stuck in traffic on I-25, when they're at their desk, do they know the reason they exist is, is because of that? This is the reason all of our hearts, every human heart, we're always searching for more. We always want more love. We want to be loved more deeply. We want something more. And the only answer is God. I want to leave you with this this morning. St. John Paul II, as always, he says things so beautifully. He says, man cannot live without love. He remains a being that is incomprehensible to himself. His life is senseless if love is not revealed to him. If he does not encounter love, if he does not experience it and make it his own. When we don't find love in our lives, brothers and sisters, our life makes no sense. Is your faith a theory or is it a love affair? Is it something that makes sense merely or is it something that makes your heart come alive? Jesus, give us that love. Lord, help us to know the, the depths of your love for each one of us, that it's personal, that you seek us out. Lord, that our hearts don't have to fear. Lord, make our faith in you a desperate romance.